Mephisto. I'm Peter. And I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world. So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way. This week's episode is through the eyes of fellow podcaster Ted Cragg. Ted is from Quebec and he's just started his own travel podcast, which is, well, all about travel podcasts. It's called Travel Podcast the World and it focuses on what we do. Last week we interviewed Ted and now he's interviewed us for one of his first episodes. So we thought we'd share it with you. If you love travel, but you also love action while you travel... We're talking skiing, snowboarding, mountain climbing, even base jumping. There is a podcast that brings it all together in a wonderfully engaging, descriptive, and inspiring way. It's called Action Packed Travel. The hosts are UK-based travel and skiing journalists, Peter and Felice Hardy, who have a background in print journalism in the written word. Peter is a former foreign correspondent and for many years now has been the ski correspondent of the British national newspaper, The Telegraph. Felice is also a ski journalist. She is co-editor with Peter of the We Love to Ski website, and together they have been to hundreds of ski resorts all around the world. Now, that's all well and good when there's not a pandemic happening, but when things shut down a couple years ago, suddenly they were stuck at home not being able to do the thing they love or talk about the thing they love, at least being there in person, on site. So they turned to each other and said, well, what about that podcast idea we've had? This might just be the best time to actually do it. And that was in March 2020. And since then, they have recorded nearly 100 episodes, talking with guests not just about skiing, but all kinds of action-related activities that people pursue as they travel. They talk with people who push themselves to their physical limits, things like long-distance cycling, such as a guest who cycled from London, England, to Brisbane, Australia. Rob Bell, a marathon runner, whose challenge was seven marathons, seven days, seven continents. Or powerboat racing, speaking with the reigning P1 powerboat world champions. They talk with explorers, giraffe keepers, fly fishers, and even digital nomads and photographers. More recently, they have been able to travel a bit more and have taken us along to some of the ski resorts they visited in the Alps, where they present wonderful descriptions of quaint villages, charming accommodation, wonderful food, and of course, great skiing. It's like a guidebook that comes to life. Peter and Felice join me today to talk about their journey in creating the podcast and how it's become such a huge part of their life the last couple of years. A wonderful solution to the pandemic blues, and allowing them to keep in touch with the life and the experiences they've had for so many years. Even if it's done vicariously, it's done virtually. It's the beauty of podcasting, the connections and conversations we can have with people from all around the world, from the comfort of our own home. Welcome uh, to the show, Peter and Felice Hardy, and it's a real, real pleasure to have you with us today. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're great, thanks, and thank you for having us on your show. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, it's a real pleasure. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've listened to lots of episodes, and, and I love how you explore different corners of the world and also have guests who share a lot of their experiences. And it's a real varied show. It's um, you know all kinds of different topics and themes. So it's a really great example of a great travel podcast. So it's a real joy to, to be able to talk to you about it and some of your experience that you've had in producing the show. Yeah, thanks. So I know, uh, I mean, skiing is your passion, and uh, you're both very well known in the skiing world as experts, really. I mean, I've read Peter is acknowledged internationally as, as Britain's leading expert in, in the ski industry, and Felice as well. I mean, you're both editors of the uh, We Love to Ski website and travel writers writing for all kinds of publications. What's been your experience, you know, in building a career in that particular industry? Well, it all began quite a long time ago when uh, I was a national newspaper journalist dealing really with, uh, not with travel at all, but uh, I was a war correspondent and I traveled the world, did all sorts of things. And meanwhile, I was working on a ski magazine and, right. uh, and then we met and we decided to go freelance and write about skiing, basically. Nice. We, we never thought we'd make a living out of it, actually, because uh, <laughs> uh, it's kind of hard to make a living out of skiing. But here we are all these years later. Yeah. We've very much branched out into other things apart from skiing. Our podcast is not just about skiing, is it? No, I mean, in, right. the, in the winter, um, our winter, Northern Hemisphere winter, we do quite a few episodes are ski-related. But mm -hmm. the rest of the year, you know, we have everything from Africa to South America to cities all around the world and, and people in them doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. uh, it all sort of came about because when we got to uh, the middle of March 2020, um, March the 13th, Friday, March the 13th, to be exact. Yeah, I remember that day too. <laughs> Our world just sort of collapsed and suddenly yeah. there was no work. You know, we've been quite mm. big fish in a small pond for a long time and suddenly there was no work at all. So we thought, well, what are we going to do? You know, we can't just sit here. So we thought we'd create a travel podcast and then while during the, the, the main lockdowns, we'd build an audience and uh, see what happens. Well, that's roughly what we've done. We're coming up for episode 100, I think. Uh, yeah, very close. Um, and so we had to learn all new skills connected with it. Um, we mm -hmm. we had interviewed people on paper, but not on audio. And we didn't know anything about editing audio. And uh, we didn't know any of the technical side at all. Peter learned all of that. Well, it's podcasting for you. I mean, it is something that can be kind of a DIY thing that we learn, even though it's certainly a lot of work. But, um, you know, if, if you have a great idea, a great concept, then, then you can just kind of jump right into it. Really, you don't need a whole lot of training or other things beforehand. No, we had no training at all, although we are travel journalists. So we do mm -hmm. know lots of people in the travel industry. So we had a ready-made up to 50 episodes of people we knew that nice. we could interview. And friends of friends. And friends, and then they recommended friends, and, and it went on like that. So mm -hmm. it was quite easy to get started with getting good people to interview. Well, we had to learn, to learn everything from scratch. I mean, I, I actually worked in, in, in radio many, many, many years ago. And that, in those days, you, uh, uh, you had reel-to-reel -reel tape recorders, and uh, you cut up yeah. tape with a, with a razor blade and put it together with scotch tape. Yeah, it's kind of changed now, to put it mildly. <laughs> uh, so we have to it's a bit easier. <laughs> had you been thinking of starting a podcast before the pandemic began? Had been on your list of things to do? Not really. I mean, I'd listen. I'd always listened to lots of podcasts and enjoyed mm. them. And I thought, oh, I'd like to do this. 
Um, and then, of course, when we had no work to do, we thought, well, now's the time. Let's try and figure out how to do, do it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we knew that we wanted to have a website to go with it so we could put the full transcript on and some pictures to go with it. And we know all about websites because we've had a ski website since 2008. Right. So um, we knew that side of it quite well already. Yeah. What attracted you to the audio medium in particular? Had you thought about video or anything else, or were you really was it really podcasting and audio that appealed? Yeah, we had indeed. We talked about video, and uh, maybe we'll do video one day. But uh, it's easier for us to do audio, and we built a very large audience like that because hmm. audio is so good because if you're driving a car or whatever, you can just tune in and listen to it. Whereas you actually yeah. concentrate and could look at the screen. Yeah, we thought it would be more flexible, actually, just having audio because, yeah, you can listen if you're traveling or if you're going to the gym or if you're hiking or wherever you want. You can listen. You don't have to look. You can look at the scenery instead. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I I do. I find it a lot more versatile as a result. You can be doing other things or you can choose to just kind of sit down and relax and really be in the moment with the people that you're listening to and the things they're describing. It's a nice effect. Mm. Who do you envision as your ideal listener? Probably sporty people because a lot of our travel is um, sport-related. Sport-related because of started because of skiing, but we've we've interviewed a lot of cyclists and a lot of people who've been on amazingly long hikes to incredible places. We've had fishermen and we've had a lot of cyclists. Base jumping woman. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, so we're interested in sports. So I suppose it would be sports, people who like doing a sport in different places. And that could be in their own country. It's still travel. Sure, yeah. Well, because of COVID, we've obviously had to do a lot of things on uh, on Zoom, which we use, mainly because obviously we couldn't we couldn't travel ourselves. But now that we can travel, we're beginning to go out and actually do a lot more uh, stuff on the, on the ground ourselves, which is great. Mm-hmm. And during the time we couldn't travel, actually it kept us – from feeling depressed that we weren't traveling. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, we interviewed someone on a giraffe, a place that rescues giraffes in Kenya, and we were interviewing them in Kenya, and we were here, and you could almost feel you were escaping to that place. Mm -hmm. And then we've interviewed other people in South Africa and... Um, um, Mount Everest, climbing Mount Everest, and all sorts of things. So you actually feel, for a minute, you know, well, for half an hour, you feel like you're there with them. Yeah, like I noticed one of your taglines is travel without having to go anywhere, which reminds me of the concept of virtual travel, which is growing, which is a whole other thing in itself, the idea of taking tours or, you know, being with someone who accompanies you online and they're in a place and you can follow along, or podcasts or YouTube channels are a great way to do it. So are you finding you've developed more of an interest in the notion of virtual travel through doing this over the last couple of years? in addition to actually going and traveling in person? I think in addition, and definitely Mm -hmm. if you're thinking of going somewhere and considering where to go, then it's great if you can go there first. Yeah. I don't think it's a substitute for the real thing. No, I think the real thing where you can meet people there and you can smell the things and feel the things, you can't do any of that, obviously, on audio. But um, this is a good, you know, if you can't travel, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice substitute. Mm. I always tell people, you know, if you can, go. But if you can't, for whatever reason, you know, it could be health reasons, money, time, whatever, that's okay. At least the next best option is to do some kind of a really good, immersed, virtual experience. And then you, you can really start to get a sense of what a place is like. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Like I listen to the way you describe things when you're in a certain resorts. You've been in the Alps recently and in like Italy and some of your recent episodes. And you have a wonderful narrative style. Like you can really, it's like taking a guidebook and delivering it in, you know, audio form. And you're describing the sights and the smells and you're chatting with the local, the the hotel manager, for instance, or a tour guide and stuff. And yeah, when you really close your eyes, like you're immersed in that, atmosphere you can imagine you know the beautiful blue skies and fresh snow around you it's a really nice experience oh good well that's what we hope to to do we hope to do (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit of a template for others who are interested in in doing something similar to take that kind of a guidebook approach you know and as i say it can be very engaging it's not certainly not dry or anything like that you you really get those descriptions but the notion that, yeah, you, you go to a place and, you know, you describe what you're doing and what things are, things to do, and it just simply takes that guidebook principle and puts it in audio form. So it's a nice way to do it. Mm, yeah, yeah I, But the important thing is always to take a, a focal point and do that. You can't go to a, a resort or a country and try and do everything. Just stick to one thing. Concentrate on one feature. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's why we've combined it. On the whole, we've combined it with a sport, but we've sometimes combined it with food or, you know, a hotel or somewhere you can stay. For instance, we interviewed a woman in Australia who did a lot of hiking. So we didn't really cover the places so much as her experience doing the hike in those places. That's right, yeah. yeah. Interesting. For yourselves as writers, have you found it's nice to have the chance to say your own words, to deliver on your writing and be able to say it? So it's not just in text form, but it's it's something you can then actually say, kind of like an audio book. They go well together, actually. We often uh, go to a place and we'll write about it, and we'll also do the podcast episode while we're there. Mm-hmm. Well, we've done several of those recently, mm. and, and that's quite a good way. And then, of course, we have this uh, full transcript of, of each uh, episode on our website. Yeah. Uh, so you can see it all written down as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a shout out to that for sure. Your transcripts are wonderful. You can really follow along. You've got nice pictures that are often immersed in there. The links are there. It's easy to, to pop out and see some of the places you're talking about. So it's a nice component to the experience of, of really listening to your mm-hmm. episodes and following along. That must be a lot of work. Like I know there's programs, of course, these days for getting transcript, but you know, still you got to get a lot of editing there to try to get things lined up in the right uh, spelling and stuff. So it's another component of the work of putting it all together, isn't it? It's a lot of work. The production is much longer than people imagine normally, I think. Yeah. Um, it, it, it varies, obviously, on, on the subject, but it's usually about sort of 10 or 12 hours of production for each episode. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is a, a bit too long, really. But um, you know, when we're much bigger in the future, we'll get we'll get, somebody else get someone that. else to do that. But at the moment, sure. we're doing it all. <laughs> <laughs> How do you research your episodes? Do you do a lot of kind of back research, or is, do you draw from your own experiences? Is that another big component of it too? There are two types of things that we do. One is on location, mm-hmm. where we'll obviously research it before we go there. We'll try and decide what the subject is going to be when we get there. So that's one type of episode. And then there's the remote, you know, when we're interviewing people in another part of the world. And we will research that person and what they've done and look at their website and Mm. see everything we can about them before we interview them. And we chat a bit before we record so that we get to know them a bit and Mm. uh, maybe talk for half an hour before we actually do the recording. 
But sometimes we have to go straight in. It depends on, on what happens. It depends how much time they've got. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If it's someone very busy and that's in between their job and, and doing something, you know, they've got to go out, then sometimes we don't have much time. We've just got to jump in. <laughs> but then we've been interviewing people all our lives, so it's, it's a natural thing to do. Or, as I say, albeit for the written word rather than the spoken word in the past, but now we do both. Mm. Yeah, well, that's it. So have you enjoyed the transition to the audio form as well the last couple of years? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. tremendously. We love it, actually. And it's been so interesting meeting so many people with all our episodes. We've, I feel like we've met people from around the world. And, you know, obviously we haven't met them in real life, mm-hmm. a lot of those people. But there's all sorts of people that, uh, you know, we wouldn't have a chance of meeting them normally. Yeah, it's certainly been very good. It's filled the, the void which has been created by mm-hmm. by the pandemic, and uh, we find that you know we've we've met some friends online like this, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Like talking to you now, this would never have been possible. Exactly, yeah. We would never have met you sitting there in Quebec, yeah. and we're here in the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereabouts in the UK is your home base? We're in a small town called Froome, oh. which is in Somerset. And Somerset is in the southwest. Well, yeah, well, yeah the southwest. Uh, our nearest large town is Bristol. Yeah, and Bath. And Bath. Bath. Yeah, I've been through there. We have some family friends in North Devon, and uh, visited a couple of times. So I've been to Bath and Bristol. Froome does sound familiar. It's a nice area. I lived in Bournemouth actually, in the south coast of England, uh, okay. for a summer. I was way back in two thousand three, but uh, yeah, it's oh, it'd be nice to go back one of these days. Whereabouts in Quebec are you? Well, across the river from Ottawa, so kind of western Quebec and Gatineau right now. Okay, because we, we've skied in Quebec. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Well, there's Mont Tremblant, of course. And yeah. have you been to Le Massif uh, near Quebec City? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mont Saint-Anne. Yeah, sure. Yeah, those three. Yeah. There's some smaller hills around where I live, mostly for locals, but um, it's a nice network of very ski resorts. Often you can get, you know, one pass, I think, and it's valid at a numerous resorts. They're all connected. Yeah, we thought Quebec City was really beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, absolutely. But so cold for us <laughs> coming from Europe. Coldest place I've ever been. It's yeah, it gave, that, gave us a shock. Yeah. It's minus 30 oh, Celsius here right now. <laughs> well, there you go. That's a bit <laughs> extreme. <laughs> well, you should definitely come in the summer if you haven't already, but Quebec is beautiful in the summer and Montreal too, and explore some of the countryside as well. Mm, that sounds great, actually. Yeah, I'd love does. to do that. This reminds me of another question then. I often, I try to ask people this, like, when you're talking about places and you choose a place to talk about on your podcast, is there a bit of a limit in terms of time that you talk about something? Would you talk about a place that you've been to, say, like 10 years ago or more? Or does it feel just a little bit too distant and you want to have something more recent? No, not at all. Um, we interviewed an explorer who's 80 years old. He's still an explorer today. Oh, yeah. He's a, an amazing man called Sir so, John, uh, no, so. Colonel... Blashford Snow, and uh, he's amazing. He had incredible stories, and going back for... Yeah, some of his stories were sort of 30, 30 years old, but you listen to him, and it was like, you know, it could have been yesterday. Wow. And his memory was so vivid, you could he was really good at describing everything. So no, no limits at all like that. Okay, yeah. And like, now that you're able to visit places a little more often, do you find you're kind of taking notes, thinking about angles... We don't really take notes, but we do try and work out what the angle is going to be, even before we get there if we can, yeah. Yeah. Has it been a different experience now to have this platform, to have a show, 
and to feel like now you have a different kind of purpose to deliver some of the things that you're observing. Mm. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, it's great having. And it's amazing the number of. I mean, we're in eighty countries, and we have listeners in eighty countries. Eighty-one now. Eighty-one now. Okay, a new one. Nice. And and that's pretty strange, isn't it? To think we have all those people around the world listening to what we have to say. One of the things that's quite useful as a podcaster is to interview other podcasters. Yeah. Because then you get each other's audiences. So we've done a few swaps like that. We did a, um, there's a travel podcaster living in Alabama in the USA and we interviewed her for our podcast and she interviewed us for hers. So we then got the advantage of, we could take advantage of each other's audience, which was quite good. Mm -hmm. And we've done that with a few people. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great technique. And with this show here, I'm hoping to help people connect with each other if they haven't met already because, you know, we're all in generally the same niche, the same category. There's a lot of things that can be incorporated into travel, but it's a great way for all of us to really connect with each other. There are not many areas of the media where people actually want to help each other. Mm. Usually they're in competition. But in podcasting, we found more than anything that everyone wants to help everyone else. So they it's all. It's a really friendly community. Yeah, it's yeah. really friendly. Everyone's wants to promote each other, yeah. which is great. Yeah, it's really nice. It is. Were you fans of podcasting? Did you listen to podcasts a lot? You know, before you started your own. I did, yes, mm. but I didn't really listen to travel. I mm, a few travel podcasts. I only listen to podcasts about writing because I'm writing a book. So I listen to podcasts that by other writers telling me about their experiences. And then I thought, oh, yeah, we can do something like this with travel. And I did listen to a few travel podcasts, but they weren't exactly the sort of things that I was interested in listening to. Mm. So I thought, actually, let's do what we're interested in, which is travel combined with sport or an activity. Yeah, we want to create our own. Yeah, we also found there are quite a few travel – well, I don't know if there are quite a few, but there are some travel podcasts – where they interview celebrities. And we thought, actually, we don't just want to listen to celebrities being interviewed. We want to meet real people, just ordinary people who've done amazing things. Yeah, it's much more relatable. Mm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. One of my standard questions in this show I like to ask other podcasters is, what do you look for in a travel podcast if you're you know, flipping through and exploring and seeing what else is out there? So what might catch your eye? I'll tell you what I don't like, well, what I like, and what I don't like is when you have a, a set formula and they've got the same questions they ask each week and uh, the same things. They ask yeah. everyone the same question, yeah. everyone they have on. Yeah. And, and it's just, you can see that they've sent the questions in advance. So the person's got, you know, then a very complicated answer to something that was actually quite simple. And, and it's just, the whole thing comes across as being a bit untruthful, really, in lots of ways. Yeah. But you are hearing the voice of somebody famous, if that's what you want to do. But I like travel podcasts that are about maybe a place I haven't been to that I'd like to go to. Hmm. I think those are good. We did listen to one, and I can't tell you which one it was because I can't remember, but it was about Jackson Hole, which is our favorite ski resort, which is in Wyoming. But there's a, a Jackson Hole in China. Yeah, and yeah. I listened to a podcast which was about Jackson Hole in China, <laughs> and I found that was fascinating. Absolutely, I mean, it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah, interesting. So you learn all sorts of weird and wonderful things like this. Yeah, yeah, you do. 
But it's nice too when people can be a bit spontaneous and let the conversation flow. I think that makes a good podcast. Mm, that's really important. Yeah. I agree with that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to set up a few questions and a bit of structure, but I don't want to stick to it. And I'll hop back and forth. And, you know, some things I might yeah. have thought of go here, and then it makes more sense to ask it a bit earlier, a bit later. Yeah, and we do the same as you. We edit everything. So we might swap something around into a different position. Sure. Yeah. Put it at the beginning or put it at the end. Yeah. Yeah, essentially keep the same thing. You you learn a lot of very strange things. You learn that most people don't speak in full sentences. Yes. <laughs> and everybody says, um, and uh, and you know. Including us. Including oh, yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, we get used to listening to the sound of our own voice as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. When we first started, I hated hearing myself back. I really, really, oh, it made me squirm. And hmm. But now I'm used to it. I don't mind at all. Yeah. yeah. Do you like to experiment with different formats and tinker, or do you like to have a fairly consistent uh, kind of format and layout to your episodes? We like it to be very natural and okay. just to flow. Depends on the person we're interviewing. So we don't and really... And the type of interview we're doing, yeah. whether it's on location or whether it's... Right. Yeah, so no, we definitely don't have a format. Mm -hmm. There'll be a few questions that we ask um, people that we might ask everyone, a similar type of question, yeah. but... They're not really a formula, no. I think it would be too stilted if you did that. You know, people would be expecting the question. And yeah, yeah as yeah. Peter said earlier, we don't want people to practice their answer. Yeah, that's true. And it keeps the listener on their toes a bit, perhaps, so that, um, you know, they're kind of curious to see what comes next. Yeah, you find some people are very nervous about coming on the show and uh, you try and put them at ease. And uh, we had one the other day who was. He's an old friend, but he'd never done anything like this before. Uh, and he was incredibly, he's a very knowledgeable man, but he's incredibly nervous about it all. Mm. And he refused to listen to what he'd done afterwards. But actually, once it was all edited, it all sounded really good. Sure. Because you'd taken out long pauses when he was too nervous to reply and things like that. And when he did finally get around listening to it, he was really pleased. Nice. Yeah, I think that um, someone editing a podcast can actually make people sound better. It's remarkable, yeah. We should show some of the before and after <laughs> if people give permission, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a good idea. People, I don't think the people being interviewed would like that very much. So. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the first. I mean, one needs to be honest and stick to what the person is like and everything else. You could change things so dramatically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you have to stay honest for sure and, and stay true to their intention, yeah. Oh, yeah, that you definitely have to be honest. There's a lot of trust involved, I think. Mm -hmm. If you're editing the questions and the answers, well, you wouldn't edit the questions, but the answers, yeah, you've got to be completely trustworthy and mm -hmm. how you do it. Yeah. How do you like to engage with your listeners? Are you able to get some you know, feedback and a bit of conversation with people listening to the show? Actually, we found that quite difficult. Mm. We have social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. Instagram is, I've found, is the best one. That's the one where we get feedback more than the others. I'm a bit disappointed that we haven't had very much feedback on Facebook, for example, or Twitter. It's really all been on Instagram. Instagram yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. People also on our website, they can go to our website and they can click to join our newsletter. So, right. Yes, we'll put a link to that in our notes for this show. Yeah, it's one of the tricky things with podcasting because we really do have to work harder to get that kind of engagement. It's not like YouTube or other things where people just leave a comment and there it is. But at the same time, I like to think that it helps to filter out, I guess, spam or other things that if people are going to comment and reach out, 
it's going to be meaningful because they really want to say something, even if it's constructive criticism, but they're taking the time to do so, right? And so it's a more meaningful contact. Yeah, I agree with that. That's true. Great. Well, we're heading into the spring, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, pretty soon. Do you have some trips planned, hopefully then, for the, the summer and, and getting yourselves out there on the road, sharing more with the with the audience? Yeah, very much so. We, we Once the ski season's over, we'll do quite a lot of stuff like uh, cycling in Europe and hmm. hopefully get to North America at some stage. Yeah. But uh, I don't quite know when. It's it's Everything's opening up now in Europe and it's, it's becoming easier to travel. Uh, the French have just dropped though. You have to take a test before you arrived in France, which you had to pay for. Hmm. And they just dropped that. So it's things are getting pretty close to normal. How about you? Can you travel easily now? Well, there's still a lot of testing involved, at least as of right now in like mid-February. They might start uh, easing up a bit with vaccinated travelers, of course, at least between Canada and the States and perhaps with some other certain countries. So yeah, it's encouraging. I think governments are finally, you know, aware that, well, we have to find some kind of balance between obviously public health and, you know, allowing people to live their lives. So it's encouraging. I, I like to think at least, you know, here in North America, whether you're in the States or in Canada, there's so much to see within our own countries, massive countries. And, you know, you could easily spend a month just exploring parts of Canada, for instance. So so that that helps. And for, for me and my family, we're hoping to do some of that road tripping and stuff this summer, just within Canada and, and show our kids around. So So that's encouraging at least. Well, it's the same thing here, too. Yeah. The country I probably know the least in the world that I've been to is, is my own. And uh, we're spending <laughs> more time now, for obvious reasons, of, of going out and doing things here. And that's really, really interesting. But we live in a very small country, and it is very easy to get across to France and Italy mm-hmm. and Spain and places like that. So we do tend to go to those places. The, the climate's better than here as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Well, hey, it's been wonderful getting to know you and, and hear the story behind putting your wonderful show together and uh, really getting a sense for your perspective on it all and the work that it takes, the commitment. How would you measure the success of your podcast now, having published basically every week? You're in a pretty consistent weekly schedule and feeling like you've really made some progress, I guess, in the last two years. We have because, yeah, many thousands of people have listened, which is good, and that's increasing all the time. Okay. Oh, and I love the fact that there are people listening all over the world, too. That's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives us a real sense of achievement, actually. UK, USA, Canada, Australia, Germany, and France. They're our main listeners. But lots of other... We've got really ones in the Seychelles. We've got ones in, in uh, all sorts of places, haven't we? Yeah, I think almost quite a few countries in South America. Yeah. Nice. Quite a lot of interesting places, yeah. Caribbean yeah. islands. Yeah. Cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's it's very rewarding to see the the hard work pay off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We really enjoyed it actually, and we're going to carry on doing lots more. Great. Yeah. It's certainly a commitment to keep going. Yeah. Because I mean, most podcasts begin, and then after a few episodes, the person doing it sort of runs out of steam, mm-hmm. and and they just give up. And we kept going, kept going, kept going, and now it's just a part of our lives entirely. I can't imagine not doing it. That's great. Yeah, I've heard that quite a few people give up after a few months. Yeah, because they, they realise what work is involved. But people starting now, what they need to know is that it doesn't have to cost very much. Hmm. Really, the equipment you need. When we started, we didn't have a very big outlay at all. We no. bought, bought a cheap 
microphone. Mm-hmm. We used our existing laptop computers, and that was about it. And we bought a recorder. Oh, yeah, we bought a recorder. That was probably the biggest expense. Yeah. And then we pay for the hosting. But these are relatively low cost. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all things really, considered. It's really sure. not expensive. It's not like publishing a magazine. Or even quite a lot of websites would it would cost a lot more to start a website than mm-hmm. a podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful platform. So that's what this show is about, is, as they say, profiling people like yourselves and recognizing your, your hard work, your commitment, and most of all, the message and, and the great content that you're putting out. So it's been really, really nice uh, hearing your story and learning more about your show. Well, it's well, been really good talking to you. Yeah, and um, we hope that we can share our love of travel with everyone, you know, yeah. with more and more people just as you are. Definitely. Cheers. Well, thanks very much. Thank you very much. If you want to follow more of Ted's episodes, go to travelpodcasttheworld.com. Next week here at Action Back Travel, we're going to be live on location in Austria, exploring the skiing in one of the world's largest and most exciting ski areas, Saalbach, Kinderklemm, Leergang, Fieberbrunn. That's quite a mouthful, but it's 270 kilometres of slopes and 70 lifts. If you're not a skier yourself, do listen in. It's not just about skiing, and this area is one of Europe's greatest summer playgrounds for everyone who loves the big outdoors. That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com, or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, stay safe.